Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Today is the culmination of weeks of anticipation. The Advent season ends with Christmas, a day that marked the beginning of the life of the Son of Man here on earth. Here's First Prize Senior Pastor Dan Chun with his annual Christmas message. Well, it's Christmas, and it's time for gifts and gift-giving. And I have a gift for many of you today, but it might be kind of weird. However, before I tell you what it is, let me give you some context. Um, in California, years ago in the Bay Area near Stanford University, when I was on staff at a church there, I was asked to start a singles ministry that eventually had thousands attending. And I taught singles on how to choose a spouse. And years later, I wondered if my guidelines worked. And to my shock, of the 261 who got married around the time I was there, only 25 got divorced some 20 years later. And that was around a 9% divorce rate, which was way below the national average. So I decided to write a book about some of those principles. And the founder of eHarmony read an early galley of the book, liked it, and asked if he could write the forward because he felt and these are his words, that if you're thinking of getting married, you need to read this book. Very gracious, very generous. My book is simply called How to Pick a Spouse. And don't worry, this is not a shameless self-promotion, as I don't make a penny on it, uh, uh, whether it's in Kindle or audiobooks or paperback. And if it sells, all the royalties go to the ministry of the church to help this community. So actually, it's not a bestseller. And I think most of the books were bought by my relatives, um, including my wife, who read it, trying to figure out what went wrong uh, in her selection. Well, it so happens I have actually hundreds of CDs of my book, of my uh, reading of the book, and I'd like to give them away today at the welcome table around the corner uh, when you leave. So, Merry Christmas. Now... I know you may think this is a phenomenal gift, but the question is, what do you do with CDs? Um, since most people don't have a CD player anymore, unless it's in their car. I mean, CDs are kind of like ancient of days. And maybe that's why I'm giving them away. Uh, but our church staff said, you know, if people don't want to listen to your audiobooks, there are many, many other ways to use them. And so, my loving and wonderful staff respectfully came up with the top 10 things you could do with um, my CD if you don't have a player. So here's the list. Are you ready? And we're going to start with number 10 and then go up to number one, which is the biggest use. So number 10, you can use them for coasters. <laughs> number nine, Christmas tree ornaments. Number eight, targets for skeet shooting. Number seven, earrings. <laughs> Number six, nose rings. Number five, sliders to move furniture. Number four, forehead reflector for doctors. Number three, touch-up mirror. Number two, frisbees. And number one, the top best use for my CD is Listen to them to help you fall asleep, especially if you have insomnia. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you all. 
Now you ask, what does this have to do with my sermon? Absolutely nothing. No, seriously, it has everything to do with it, like it matters. CDs are becoming antiquated, right? Outdated. And to be honest, we can have an outdated view of Jesus too, an antiquated view of God that's too limiting. We might think he never existed, or we might think of him as just a little baby in a manger, or maybe he's just a literary figure, or maybe he did exist, but he was just a, a good moral teacher like Gandhi or Martin Luther King Jr. But what we think of Jesus really matters because if he is who he says he is in the Bible, if he really is God who came in human form to earth, if he is the Messiah, then like it matters, which is the title of this sermon. For many people, Christmas Eve is a time to reevaluate what they think of Jesus. Is he who he says he is? And for some, they already believe Jesus is God, for others, not too sure. And then there are those who might think, if he is God, I don't trust him. But since I'm here at a Christmas Eve service, maybe I'll consider it. God is in our midst. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, which is what it means in Hebrew. But often, we don't even know it. I'm reminded of the BBC interview of the late Queen Elizabeth's Royal Protection Officer, Richard Griffin, who served her for many years. And he was interviewed before the Queen's recent platinum celebration of her 70th, 70th year of reign. And he told this funny story of a time he was with the Queen, but there were others there who didn't know who she was. Take a look at this clip. Tell me about your role within the royal family. I was very, very lucky. Um, I spent 30 years at Buckingham Palace as a royalty protection officer. I spent three years looking after the Queen's youngest son, Prince Edward. Mm -hmm. And then I spent... That was up at Cambridge? Yes, it was at yeah. Cambridge <laughs> University. Uh, that's where I first met Alistair. Okay. And then I spent 13 and a half years as personal protection officer to His Royal Highness the Duke of Edinburgh. And then I was lucky enough to spend the last 14 years of my career as the Queen's personal protection officer, a position called the Queen's police officer, until well, I retired. About in... her wit and charm, how did you find her? Oh, uh, I would give you 101 examples of her, her wit and her charm. And would you like some? Yes, please. Um, <laughs> oh, yes, please. Go for it. Uh, yeah, well. one o'clock. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, one of my favourite stories is when we were at Balmoral, and the Queen used to go up there in May to Crogowan House and just stay there privately for a weekend. And she would go up at lunchtime for picnics, and very often it would just be the police officer and Her Majesty. And one of the picnics I went out with her, we had a lovely picnic and a lovely chat, and then we went for a little walk, just the two of us. And normally, on these picnic sites, you, you meet nobody. But there was two hikers coming towards us, and the Queen would always stop and say hello. And it was two Americans on a walking holiday. And it was clear from the moment that we first stopped, they hadn't recognised the Queen, which is fine. And the American gentleman was telling the Queen where he came from, where they were going to next, and where they'd been to in Britain. And I could see it coming, and sure enough, he said to Her Majesty, and where do you live? <laughs> And she said, well, I live in London, but I've got a holiday home just the other side of the hills. <laughs> and he said, well, how often have you been coming up here? Oh, she said, I've been coming up here ever since I was a little girl, so over 80 years. And you could see the clogs thinking. He said, well, if you've been coming up here for 80 years, you must have met the Queen. 
I'm as them. quick as a flash says, well, I haven't, but Dickie meets her regularly. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy said to me, oh, you've met the Queen, what's she like? And because I was with her a long time and I knew I could pull a leg, I said, oh, she can be very cantankerous at times, <laughs> but she's got a lovely sense of humour. Anyway, the next thing I knew, this guy comes around, put his arm around my shoulder, and before I could see what was happening, he gets his camera, gives it to the Queen, and says, can you take a picture of the two of us? <laughs> anyway, we swapped places, and I took a picture of them with the Queen, and we never let on, and we waved goodbye, and then Her Majesty said to me, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when he shows us photographs to the friends in America, and hopefully someone tells him who I am. Oh, that's brilliant. Can you imagine these two dumb Americans giving a camera to the Queen to take a picture of them with the guy who had met the Queen? Oh my goodness. The Queen is right there and those hikers don't even know it. I sometimes wonder about that with Jesus Christ. He's God on Earth. He's near us all the time in spirit. He's blessing us for much of our lives and we don't even acknowledge it or know it. And maybe we lead such a hurried life that we don't even know the Lord or make time for him. Faye Weldon says, atheism is the religion of the busy. Are we so busy that we miss out on the blessings of life in God himself? It makes me think of the star advertiser columnist, Susan Scott, who told this story. Susan once went scuba diving off the uh, Kona coast on a trip arranged um, by a dive shop for her and some tourists. And the boat captain was a man named Mike. And the group of them arrived at the first dive site and they all geared up and dove in and they saw wonderful creatures like garden eels in a rare color, Antheus, uh, which is a four inch fish that is orange yellow in its upper half and lavender below and they ended the first dive and returned to the boat. It was then that the boat captain, Mike, said, weren't those dolphins something? And they said, what dolphins? Mike responded, no, don't tell me you didn't see them. They were right above you for a long time. And one diver responded, well, we were playing with this little shrimp and, uh, and then Mike exploded, but they were right there. I drove the boat over you as a signal that they're coming your way. Didn't you hear the boat? And another diver said, well, I wondered what maniac was driving a boat right over a bunch of divers. Now, Mike was practically jumping up and down. It was a signal. Didn't, I, I can't believe you didn't see them. There were about a hundred spinner dolphins cruising just feet from you. Sorry, said Susan. Mike was truly disappointed. And oh, they were beautiful, he said. It was perfect. And you didn't even see one. And a diver from Norway said, please stop. You're making me feel sad. So Mike sighed and moved the boat several miles down the coast and they prepared for their next dive. I love this dive, Mike said, perky once again. This place is loaded with fish and oh, I wish I could go in. Isn't this a great day? Susan said Mike was still talking as we jumped in and he was right. The place was packed with fish. And as we drifted slowly through the schools of butterfly fish and sergeant majors and triggerfish, we heard a motor in the distance 
and the sound grew louder and louder. And when we looked up, we saw the white hull of our dive boat passing slowly overhead. And this time, Susan said, we got the message. And we twirled around and looked up and we looked down. And a moment later, a pod of spinner dolphins appeared. And we hung motionless in the water, spellbound as the pods passed silently by and their ethereal beauty. Plus, she said, my own weightlessness made me feel like I was in a dream. And later, when I surfaced, Mike leaned anxiously over the sides, and we said, we saw them, Mike, you did it. And he said, yes. And soon, Susan said, they were all on deck laughing and hugging and chattering about our dolphin experience. And Mike was as excited as anyone. We were strangers to him, yet showing us those dolphins made his day. Throughout the Bible, God sends people like Mike. He sends his angels and his prophets and, and wise men and women to point us not to dolphins, but to the birth of the Messiah who would live on this earth because they all know he will enhance our lives. And they have tried to tell us about Jesus, like it really matters, but we can get so busy looking at one little shrimp, small kind stuff, instead of what is really important, like that Jesus is God. In the Bible, he said he wants to friendship with us. And in his wisdom, he can lead us into a much greater fulfilled life than we could ever dream. He's forgiving and loving and says, come to me all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. He offers a more beautiful life than just seeing a pod of dolphins glide over us, and he is with us in our pain and suffering if we just look for him. By the way, those who made a living by the sea, the dolphin actually became a symbol of Christ, a friend and deliverer to the safer shores. The problem is that Oftentimes, we are so busy and so accomplished that we might acknowledge there is a God, but then we take all of the credit for all of the good things in our lives, which ultimately comes from Him, and not just because of our hard work. I recall Jimmy Stewart in his role of a farmer in that movie, Shenandoah. There's a scene where he says grace, a prayer, before dinner, but listen carefully to what he says as he prays before his large family. He says, Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it, sowed it, and harvested it. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We worked dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel. But we thank you just the same anyway, Lord, for the food we're about to eat. Amen. Ah. Sometimes we take all the credit for the good in our lives. You know, Bill Gates might be one of the richest men in the world. Clearly, he is smart, hard worker, high achiever. But much of the reason he was so successful was due to things he had no control over. He was born in affluent America to an affluent family, went to a high school way back then that had computers, was given an advantage to get into Harvard. You know, when you realize that you've been given a gift that you had not planned for or worked for, 
you would or should be so grateful. And your attention would indeed be turned to the giver of gifts in your life. I'm reminded of what happened in February of this year. Maybe you saw the story. Students from Johnson College Prep High School were sitting in their south side of Chicago auditorium to hear a special speaker. And the speaker, a wealthy businessman, got up to speak and said, you're going to hear from me something soon that's going to change everything. And the students probably rolled their eyes like, great, another big marketing promise, another motivational talk to poor kids. What's he trying to sell? I mean, these are kids from the south side of Chicago, and people are always trying to sell them something. Then the man continued, if you're a freshman, or a sophomore, or a junior, or a senior at Johnson College Prep, your college tuition and your room and board and your books and your fees will be paid for you and you will go to college for free. And the place erupted in shock and then joy as people were screaming and yelling and crying and laughing. And then the next speaker, knowing that poverty is an intergenerational problem, then said that in addition to the students getting free tuition, that one parent or one guardian from each family would also get to go to college for free. More screaming and yelling and cheering. Parents broke down crying about their own dreams deferred that would now become reality. The first speaker was Pete Cadence, a self-made millionaire who started an organization called Hope Chicago, which hopes to invest $1 billion over the next 10 years encouraging corporations and donors to fund this project. And there would be five schools in total who would receive those benefits of full scholarships due to Hope Chicago. And one of those schools was Johnson College Prep. A third of the students there have no permanent homes. Many live in violent neighborhoods, barely making it home from school without being attacked. Hear this, 40% of their families suffered gun violence. They'd done the hard work of getting good grades and many were accepted to college, but very few of them had the money to do, to do it. One third of the households made less than $25,000 a year. Pete Caden said, I'm a guy who got really lucky in life. I'm a guy who won a lot of lotteries. I won the birth lottery the zip code lottery, the education lottery. And when I think about having won all those lotteries and all the people who are suffering, it's my chance to give them those same opportunities. Pete Cadence retired at the age of 40 after starting five companies. But notice, he isn't going to just live for himself. Now, everyone, here's the deal. If you were one of those students, don't you think you would be so grateful to the donor who blessed you? You would be, I think, incredibly thankful and then would try to live like the donor who gave back to the community so that others would be blessed. You would never forget that day. You would never forget that gift. Hopefully, you would be immensely thankful. One student named Kavarian Newson 
raised by a drug addict grandmother, deeply appreciated what Pete Cadence did for him. But he told CBS News on 60 Minutes there was one other he really needed to thank. And he said this, and I quote him, well, I didn't get to pray about the school assembly yet because I'm still trying to process all of those feelings because of what just happened was, I mean, simply amazing. But God will get some special time for me tonight. Kavarian Newsom went into more detail in that 60 minute show of his deep faith in God who needs to be thanked for blessings. So here's your deal. God has been blessing a lot of you who are here today in ways worth more than a college education. But do you know who the giver of those blessings is? Like it matters, it's God. He has been offering you strength right now and peace right now and heaven right now, even if you're in the midst of pain. And your story's not over and it will get better if one decides to follow Jesus, like it matters. The Lord knows our pain and struggles. On Christmas Day, Jesus was born in a manger. God came in a humble way, born in the stable, grew up as a poor carpenter, suffered for us, died for us, took a bullet for us, was crucified for us. He knows pain. He knows betrayal. And you might admire people who know him, but you can know him for yourself. Don't be like the hikers who don't even know the Queen of England was right near them, but they just took a picture of a man who knew the Queen, but they could have known the Queen herself. You can know the King of Kings, as we sang earlier. Life changes when you realize in the story of life that you're not the main character. You're a side character. It's not all centered about you. But when you realize that the main character is Jesus, who is God, born on Christmas Day for you and came for you, then life really changes. Devoting a life to him like it matters. In closing, I'd like to go back to that movie, Shenandoah. Jimmy Stewart, as I said, plays a man named Charlie who lived on a farm during the Civil War. His wife had died. He had promised her before she died that he would always take their children to church and raise them as Christians. This is what she really wanted. He follows through and dutifully brings his children, uh, who are now all grown up, um, to church. But he doesn't like church, has no need of church. And Charlie doesn't want any of his six sons to get involved in the war. But life goes down a painful road as the civil war rages around his farm. He loses one child from an errant shot. A son-in-law is captured. He loses his son and a daughter-in-law due to an attack on his farm. A third son, his youngest, a young teenager, is wrongfully taken as a prisoner of war. He now sees the world is way beyond his control. It's chaotic. And in one of the last scenes, he bolts from the dinner table and goes to the cemetery where his wife was buried and he talks to her and he tries to tell her what has happened and he can't seem to find meaning in life and in, in the war or, or even around the family table so much loss so much pain he is devastated he says as if she is there maybe things wouldn't look so bad to me if I only knew what you thought 
He's wiping away tears, grasping for hope and direction. And then suddenly, in the distance, the church bell rings. And he feels Martha is giving him his answer. And then he says to her, you never give up, do you? She always wanted him to go to church, to know God, but he found no relevance there. Charlie reluctantly walks to the church, gathers his family, and they all go to a Sunday service, and they're singing. But then, the door of the sanctuary opens, and there's his teenage son, who's taken prisoner, who comes walking in on a crutch. Charlie and his son tightly hug, and then Charlie and his family and the whole congregation sing the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. His son was delivered to him, and he had nothing to do with that. It was pure grace. Charlie then comes to see it's all a gift. The true blessings in life come not from what we have worked so hard to get, but from God, the giver of life. I realize for many of us, this has been a horrible year. Pandemic, economic hardship, recession, inflation, hovering, sickness, divorced, estranged relationships. Maybe you're like Kathy Queen who lit the Advent candle and that you've lost a loved one, maybe even a child. But maybe someone, a friend, a spouse, an uncle, an aunt, a grandparent once told you about God but due to your pain or busyness, you turned away. But this afternoon, the church bells are ringing again, saying, can you give God a chance? Can you trust Jesus? That's why he came on Christmas Day for you. So give him a chance, like it matters. Right now is your chance to trust God Trust Jesus, who came on Christmas Day. For the king always has one more move. So I'm going to ask you to think of one thing in your life that you want to be prayed for. And right now, I, on your behalf, am going to pray for a miracle for you. Your Christmas hope is that the God of the universe has heard your prayer. And if you really study who Jesus is, you will find that he is kind and gentle and loving and forgiving and caring and strong. And all those characteristics point to God. And your Christmas miracle may be that he answers a prayer for you this afternoon. So we're going to pray in a moment. But just before I pray, I want those of you on the aisle seats closest to the center of the room, um, look under your chair and you're going to see a basket of roses under there and if you can bring it up and take one rose and pass it down your row um, so everyone take a rose pass the basket down so everyone can have at least one and if you want more roses you can ask the ushers later you may have more prayer requests so here's what we're going to do we're going to pray together I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to ask you to send the rose back with a letter describing how God might have answered your prayer 
And when we receive your rose, we're going to put it up on that wreath there for you to see next year. And um, look at that wreath. I mean, that wreath is made up of hundreds and hundreds of roses that people have sent back over the years after God miraculously helped them, maybe healed them, and it came with a letter telling me what happened. He gave them hope. And it all started with a Christmas miracle on Christmas Eve. And some, if you can believe it, were healed physically. And their, their knees or their backs or their neck or their diseases. Others were helped emotionally. Depression lifted and hope infused in a despairing heart. Or others spiritually felt the presence of God and his love in a supernatural way. For some it happened during the service. For others it happened right after or later. The roses say there have been a lot of Christmas miracle prayers. And uh, your prayer, to be honest, may not be answered exactly how you want it. Um, but I do hope as we pray, you will feel God's love and presence in a new way. And if we're praying for a physical ailment for you, I ask that you put your hand on or near that area. Um, if it's an emotional or spiritual issue, then put your hand over your heart. Okay? So now let's pray together, and I'm going to pray for a miracle for you right now. Come, Holy Spirit, come, and fill this room with your presence. And Lord, I pray for everybody in here that your Holy Spirit might flow into their bodies right now from the top of their heads like a gentle stream through their bodies to the bottom of their feet like a gentle waterfall just rinsing them and cleansing them of all impurities. And Lord, there are people here or online who have certain ailments. It could be a back pain that is so painful, or a neck, or maybe it's in the shoulder, or the elbow, or the hip, or the knee, or the ankle. It could be a disturbing rash. It could be a hearing or seeing issue. It could be tinnitus. Lord, I pray in your name Whatever their ailment is, whether I've mentioned it or have not mentioned it, whatever their physical illness might be, whatever disease they're facing, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, bodies be healed. And then, Lord, for those who are, who are asking for some emotional healing or relief, I pray that your Holy Spirit will fill them with hope, with endurance and strength and resilience. It may be difficult caring for somebody who is elderly or sick, and I pray for a caregiver who's asking for that right now. I pray for those who are battling despair or the dark cloud of depression. And I pray that you might work through lifting their spirits, and might be through a friend or through a therapist, or that you might be somehow supernaturally flowing into them, and they just feel hope, just a new sense of hope. 
Some here are grieving over the loss of a loved one. It might be a parent or a child or a friend, a relative. I know the edges of the hole in their heart are very raw. And I ask, Lord, that you might heal that hoe, take away, take away the rough edges, but giving them the gift of good memories for that person. May they have another hope to see a new, a new day and that they could c- contribute back to the community. Lord, there are people here under stress and anxiety, and it might have to do with money or an illness or a strange relationship. Help them, Lord. And I pray that something will happen that will intervene and maybe is to receive forgiveness or actually give forgiveness to someone. Lord, I know there are other things I haven't mentioned, but I pray for all of those things, both physical and emotional and maybe spiritual. And there may be some here today who are saying, okay, this is it. I really want to try to trust Jesus because now it's starting to make sense like it really matters. So please help those people start that spiritual journey, whether with our church or with another ministry. Lord, all of these things we pray in your name, in Christ's name. For joy to the world, the Lord has come. On earth, we receive you, Lord, the King. Amen. Jesus, known as Emmanuel, God is with us, has come. And may we always have a heart that asks him to come into our lives. Indeed, we can celebrate because Emmanuel, our Lord, has come and offers us so much hope. But to remember, he said, he is the light of the world. And so symbolically ending our service, I'm going to take this candle and, and light it at the center candle, representing Jesus Christ. And as others come on stage and light their candles for mine, we'll symbolically say that we're to take the light of Christ and spread it all around the world. And so this is our chance, again, to be reminded that no matter what dark times you're going through, Christ is here, and he indeed is the light of the world. And just before I give the final blessing, benediction, I just wanted to again invite you to uh, the Christmas service tomorrow, which is different from this one. And of course, any Sunday you're invited, uh, any day of the week, actually. (laughs) So, uh, but now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know the love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit like it really matters. And may it dwell in your hearts forever. In Christ's name, amen. amen. God bless you all. Aloha. Those of you online, we love you. Ahui ho. We'll see you sometime. Merry Christmas, everybody. Christmas is not just a holiday with red and green decorations. It's not only a time of giving gifts and being charitable. We celebrate Christmas because we recognize and remember the birth of Jesus Christ because He matters. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prayer Sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. 
Join First Pres for church. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine in Kaka'ako, or online through our websites. And remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at First Press. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Press can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, Merry Christmas, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.